Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Watchlist Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Boyer, and today, a very special treat for you. We're joined by Romanian independent filmmaker Adrian Sofe. How are you doing? Hi, Jacob. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> working, working on my uh, on my upcoming movie. Have to edit it. I kind of that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Is that the We Put the World to Sleep project? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to see it. I've been a big fan of yours uh, ever since I saw Be My Cat a while back. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Adrian, like I said, is a Romanian filmmaker uh, known for a his found footage horror movie, Be My Cat, a film for Anne, which is a crazy experience. I think you should all definitely check out. Uh, we'll discuss how you can watch that a little bit later on. But first, I'd like to just kind of ask you a couple questions about how you got your start. So, uh one thing that I kind of like to ask every guest involved in video production or any sort of creative field is I find that when I'm watching interviews with directors or cinematographers or editors uh, and they talk about their start or how they got interested in filmmaking, they always say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I like to play with my family's camera or I was always writing stories down, but I saw this one movie or this one show or there was this one moment where I decided this is exactly what I want to do. So... Do you have a, a movie or a moment like that that made you take that leap from this is a hobby of mine to this is what I want to do for my life? Well, uh, interestingly enough, it didn't happen. It didn't start with, uh, with playing with the camera or <laughs> whatever. I was actually never attracted to the idea of playing with the, with the camera, <laughs> the movie camera. So Interesting. interestingly, yeah. Yeah, so the, the 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 camera that I shot be my cat with uh, actually was the first camera I bought, you know, because I thought it would be realistic. Because that guy buys a camera just to uh, send this message to Anne Hathaway, it's like the first camera in his life. So I thought it's perfectly okay if I never use a camera in my life, and I will be uh, my my first sh uh, images that I ever shot in my life were with this camera, literally. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, really cool. Yeah, that's like uh, really crazy. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I was, I, I did not come from that background, from the fascination with the technical, with the idea of, uh, of filming. But uh, the movie that literally like uh, turned my life uh, in a, like completely in a direction uh, so different from the one that I had before was uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Because uh, mm. I think that happened in somewhere in um, adolescence, you know, somewhere during high school probably. Because before that movie, I was a person who was like, you know, like watching movies just the way you, I don't know, you just the way you uh, go into a restaurant and you hear background music, you know. I, right. I was not aware of, you know, that I'm watching a piece of art or something like that. And I was not into art that much. I was... Uh, a lot into physics. I was a lot of into into science, biology, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and so movies were I just watched... kind of more of a recreational thing at that point. Uh, exactly, exactly. I was not aware, like, oh, this is an art. This is something, you know, that you are a special thing that you are experiencing. And um, at some point, I remember I I was in front of the had a TV, and um, it was late. I remember, and I was just. Changing the the channels on the TV, and it was that uh, there there was Cartoon Network. Uh, this was the the period kind of 
not yeah, it was still the post-revolutionary period in Romania. C- cable TV was still something relatively new, you know, and they mm. gave us some uh, foreign channels and there was Cartoon Network. But after uh, after 10 p.m. at night, they stopped Cartoon Network <laughs> and mm-hmm. they started showing TNT, a movie with classical movies. Uh, sorry, a channel with classical movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just changing channels at some point, probably, I don't know, wanting to see something. And all of a sudden, I saw this image from 2001, A Space Odyssey, these scenes. I forgot exactly which scenes were, but I think one of them was that one with the monkey crushing the, the bones in the beginning. I was like, oh, mm. my God. Like, I remember literally the hair going, like, up on my back. And that that was literally one of my biggest revelations, to say so, you know. And uh, from that moment on, I started to become extremely interested in film you know and the history of film i started spending all my spare time literally reading about film history during uh, during my high school period and stuff like that so that was the first that was the first my big thing that took me away from anything else and <laughs> uh, brought me closer to film and to art to art in general interesting. and interestingly the second one of my second uh, influential um, piece but that's that's different that's not like something that brought me into filmmaking necessarily but highly influential was uh, was the Blair Witch project and it's I found it very interesting that actually when we uh, when you contacted me on uh, Facebook and asking to do this interview at some point you you proposed actually okay let's talk about uh, 2001 and Blair Witch because these are exactly the two ones that kind of influenced me the most and also the two ones that influenced probably the most the, my upcoming movie you know so it was a very interesting coincidence <laughs> yeah that is a very interesting coincidence yeah it, 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 i i i admire both those movies and i i can't wait to hear your thoughts on them later down the road especially since yeah. uh they, they were so influential for you but yeah it, it, I, that is kind of interesting that both of those films were in our uh our top tens and kind of like like you my my top 10 is very sort of locked down and 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 rigid like it's been the way it is kind of as long, almost as long as i can remember it takes a lot for a movie to break into my top 10 but uh, uh yeah so i guess uh d- so 2001 was what sort of changed your the the course of your life in that regard uh so what what were some of the so after you have that moment where you you see the the monkey beating in the the skull in the sand and tossing the bone up in the, the in the sky do, do you go out and uh watch more kubrick movies or did you just kind of well, start processing everything in a new light or uh yeah I who are some of your, uh, your other influences yes, yes. since i did not have uh since i did not have uh internet uh, or a computer uh, all i had was cable tv i started to buy uh, 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 some some tv gu- a tv guide you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that that one I realized at some point I, I realized that there is a good connection uh, between the stars that they, they they were rating movies with stars from one to to five stars, and they were saying oh the five stars one is a mass masterpiece you know and four one very good movie, three okay and two so so and somehow I realized that hey like all the superficial films that they were showing on TV that they were not 
they they didn't they didn't have much you know they were like rated like two stars or at most three you know uh, and then 2001 space odyssey or other movies some were rated five stars and i started to watch the ones that were rated five stars and four stars and i realized wow this is i really actually have to to watch this movie so then i started mm. to constantly buy that tv guide and uh and uh i started i was like literally waiting hoping that they would they would show on on TV the those 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 films you know that they were considered to be masterpieces and at some point mm. i wrote at some point i wrote to one of the tv guys and i i asked something like where how do they what is their rating system where do they get their info and they wrote back and they said it's from a website called allmovie.com you know mm. <laughs> so then i went i went to a foundation there was a there was a foundation in my local city an organization or whatever something local uh, which offered uh, access to computer and internet for for free you know especially to children to adolescents and stuff like that so then i started um, whenever i finished my classes in high school instead of come, going home i used to go to that foundation literally spending hours till <laughs> night like literally reading and noting taking notes about uh, all the great masterpieces that were pointed out by that website and then i was like waiting waiting hoping hope, hoping that some of those films would be would be shown on uh, on tv <laughs> <laughs> that was my <laughs> how often uh, would that line up for you so 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 I would say, but since this since this period of my life like lasted long enough, like there were years, somehow I still managed to to see enough of them. And uh, where I couldn't, I could just watch some uh, some wonderful scenes back then on the uh, on the internet. You know, I couldn't watch the entire movies or whatever, but I could still watch some essential scenes from some films and read about them. And still, that was like enough for me. <laughs> right. Right. And it's a pity, by the way, it's a pity that now uh, all movies like uh, that that website was initially built, all movie and all music, in order to provide some sort of encyclopedia that would literally point out to, uh, for example, they were rating movies, the critics on all movies, they were rating movies not based on their personal opinions, but based on the uh, general opinion uh, in the film industry, you know, from critics, academics, that generally how a film is considered in film history, you know, and that mm -hmm. was a very good resource. And unfortunately, lately, that site was bought by another company, and now they started to totally mess up those ratings. It's totally irrelevant today, and mm. yeah, that's a shame. But uh, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I do, I, I see what you mean in that. Uh, a lot of the the kind of more informed opinions are kind of blocked out uh, by sort of the general audiences. I think just by virtue of the fact that the internet has become so widespread and almost everyone has access to it, and everyone can sort of throw in their own opinion into the uh, the discussion on on a movie. So it's kind of hard to come across those like really well informed uh, informed opinions. But I think that. Uh, it, it kind of makes those movies all the more special in that way when you can seek them out and, and find them. It, it makes it stand out more in your memory than just uh, any other movie that could be playing in theaters or on TV. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't have a problem, you know, with uh, um, actually with people voicing their opinions and, oh, right, and right. stuff of that. Yeah, my, my problem was mainly with that uh, <laughs> that website because now they, uh, they, they used to have like... Uh, 
now 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 that website is like much better replaced for example by um, uh, how do you call uh, sight and sound sight and sounds best movies of all time right know? right yeah right. they 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 poll they poll like like hundreds or over 1000 last time but probably now there will be thousands in 2012 they do that once in 12 years so mm. practically that's a very good uh, uh, reference point if you want to see what the critics or the filmmakers are thinking or the people in the film industry think about the, this art you know yeah i told i definitely yeah. agree uh, so then, I, I don't remember if I asked this initially, uh, but if you had to name names, uh, who would you say are some of your biggest influences as a director? Mm, uh, biggest influence as a director, I would say, I would say I would start with Stanley Kubrick. Hmm. But uh, the thing is that my uh, my work is extremely different. It's exactly the opposite because he influences because with his vision, you know, him wanting to do this. Um, uh, <sighs> literally, this metaphysical thing, you know, this big metaphysical thing that talks about everything there is, you know, mm -hmm. this. Uh, uh, so uh, he influenced me, but not necessarily his directing technique, more like his his metaphysical ambitions, you know, like he influenced me the same way in a way that that Beethoven influenced me. Do you understand what I, what I mean? You know, right, right. These big things like wanting with art to talk about these big mysteries of life. And when I talk about that, I, 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 I'm, I'm referring to 2001 Space Odyssey, you know, mm -hmm. like where do we come from? What's the meaning of life? And trying to talk about past, present and future and everything into one single movie. <laughs> Practically, that is what really uh, influenced me with Stanley Kubrick and um, because what but uh, what I didn't necessarily uh, like um, or back then I didn't care but now being more into acting and working working with actors after I studied acting and all that uh, is the fact that he uh, he didn't allow he didn't give space for improvisation in his films or he was extremely strict with actors you know do exactly the mm -hmm. way they talk exactly the way they move and that and that 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 sucked the life out of his movies and that's why that's no coincidence that his best movie is actually 2001 a space odyssey where actors are not important because when actors are important in his movies uh, i don't think they are they are as good you know because he was so much focused on this on this on this on this perfect uh, technical stuff, you know, perfect frame, exactly the way he wants, you know, mm -hmm. that he he limited the actors, the actors' liveliness too much, you know, right? Because and uh, that's that would be my when I and I realized that actually uh, other directors have have said similar similar stuff. Um, I think I'm not sure, maybe I'm wrong. Either either James Cameron or some other director said similar stuff about Kubrick that they were a huge influence on them. Mm -hmm. But they, 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 they would like they wouldn't do it. Uh, they wouldn't be as strict with actors as as he was. You know, they would give more more space because they believe that that the 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 liveliness, what happens with the actors, that is the life of a movie. You know, that is the that is the heart of 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 a movie. You know, exactly <laughs> the truth, yeah. the truth, the human truth that they can add to the to the picture. And because mm -hmm. um, you asked me more directors' names, okay. Uh, another one would be 
Michael Moore, I think. Okay. But Michael Moore, uh, not only um, not only politically, you know, with with his documentaries, he also influenced me like literally as a method of filmmaking, even with my found footage films, mm. because I took one, I took some things from Blair Witch, but I also t- some took some things from Michael Moore. You know, the way he just goes around with the camera and and talks to the camera. I don't know. To me, there is a connection between Michael Moore filmmaking and found footage filmmaking, and definitely <laughs> influenced me as a director. Um, and um, other directors. I have a lot of films that influenced me a lot, you know? Definitely, yeah. But, I mean, just looking at your website, you've narrowed it down to the top 250, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have a lot of films that influenced me a lot, but in terms of directors, um, I, would, I would stop at uh, Kubrick and Michael Moore because, uh, yeah, for example, with, with the Blair Witch Project, although the film influenced me, that much, but I can't say that the directors, because I didn't follow their career, you know, I, I mm-hmm. shortly checked another movie one of them made in some trailers, and I realized, hey, like, they didn't, they, there's nothing for me there, you know, and so I can't say that, uh, and, 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 and this, is, this is true for kind of other, other filmmakers as well, there are, there are films, but not necessarily the directors with their entire career influencing me. Right, yeah, I think that that's kind of, uh, the be- the best thing about um, the film as an art form is that you can kind of find films or find directors or find uh, cinematographers, editors, whoever that you admire, and you can see what you you can find those elements that you really strongly admire and kind of pick and choose. Like, okay, these are some elements that I want to translate into my work, and this these are some things that I maybe want to leave out. It it is it is a very um, kind of collaborative in a in a weird way process even if you even if you're talking from the perspective of a well-established director and someone who's never even picked up a camera before there's kind of this nice yeah trickle yeah down i'm effect. never i'm 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 never the the, the perfect fan actually for for anyone actually <laughs> you know the, the way they are these perfect fans you know they just they just look at a certain piece of art or at a certain artist and you just you just love everything they do i don't think i have anybody that i that i can look at this way you know like i all i always make my mind is extremely uh, uh critical thinking always challenging always challenging the norms you know always challenging the establishment always even if something is considered to be perfect and even even if i find it perfect at some point in my life later after a year or two I start to challenge it, you know. I start to right. challenge myself even, and uh, for that's why, for example, I, I specified even in that list of my top, top, uh, top movies. Those are actually movies that influenced me in the past, that had an influence on my life, on my life, you know. That's why I put them there. But today, if you ask me today, you know what I think about them, and or if they are, if, if they are my top movies today, I wouldn't put them actually in top ten, you know. They are right. like what made me along the history, but not necessarily who I am right now in this moment and what I think right now. Uh, kind of Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, again, that's just one of those beauties of films where it's like uh it, it the, you're the 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 films that form you are kind of it, like it's ever growing and ever changing and very sort of like malleable, but it, it, even if it's a movie that you don't necessarily like nowadays there's uh you can look back on it years later and and still 
see the value in it, even if you might not necessarily consider it to be as great as it was. Like for me, for instance, uh, there was an independent movie that I saw back in high school uh, called Red State by a filmmaker called named uh, Kevin Smith, and I loved that movie. I loved uh, everything about it. It was made on a small budget. It it that was the moment for me. That was when I decided, oh, I. I filmmaking is not an impossible venture i could go out and do that and looking mm-hmm. at that movie nowadays it is it, it's flawed it has problems and i don't think it's the big masterpiece that it was but i do think it's important to recognize the influence it had over me and where uh a lot of my ideas about filmmaking came from and it, I, I totally agree with you when you say that uh things are ever changing like that things are exactly things are changing and they are not uh, uh, for example, uh, there are some films that I would say that influence me the most. There are other films that I would say that they are the best ever made. There are different films that I would say that I, I, I like the most, you know. And there, again, there are different things that I would say that I would recommend the most. For example, I would recommend the f- movie that impressed me the most is 2001 A Space Odyssey. The movie that I think is the best ever made complicated i don't think that one maybe 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 the gold rush charles chaplin the gold rush mm. the movie that i would recommend the most actually it would be uh, untold history of the united states and i would recommend it for the for the truths being told about the the history and about the politics you know and also if you ask me about which is one is actually my favorite film right now i don't know actually you <laughs> know so there are different different categories of so-called favorite films of mine <laughs> it's actually funny you say that because that was my next question is what is your favorite ah. movie but if it is if it, i guess let, let's put it like this is do, do you have a, a movie somewhere in that 250 where you could be in any kind of mood uh like anything could be happening in your life and you can put it on and just i, I guess 2001 would be a good example but do you have no, any not, like film or not, films it's not, it's not it's like not, that and unfortunately oh, it's okay. not and unfortunately i am jealous of filmmakers when I hear people, there people talk about my. Some people talk about my movie, and I felt like, oh my god, like it's unbelievable. No people saying I watched your film like fourth time or something like that. And other people saying it in general about movies. You know, oh my god, I've watched like ten times this film, uh, and I'm like, uh, I can't watch movies so so many. Times. No, I don't. I don't have a relationship with film. I think the way uh, I don't know the way I would have with music or something. But even with music, I'm, I'm not like that. Yeah, unfortunately, no. As I said, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a good fan in general of, mm. of things. You know, I think I'm too uh, too much uh, too much uh, uh, questioning. You know, I, it's it's the, the, I don't know. I think I find a problem in becoming too much too much comfortable with the status quo. You know, something that mm. is. So much, um, it's it's hard it's hard to find my words actually about this. It's just complicated. It's a complicated inner thing, you know that right. I feel. But I think I would. I think I need more time in order to analyze my thoughts and my feelings in order to give an answer of why I feel this way. <laughs> no, it, it definitely yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it, 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 and yeah. <laughs> it just goes back to that point earlier of. Uh, of movies just being an ever-changing art form and it and and the way you feel about a movie one day could be completely different how you feel about it a week later it, what what's important is that 
is how it affects you in that moment and then the lessons you take from it and carry on to your next project or even just beyond if you're a filmmaker the lessons or the thoughts or the ideas that you take into your life exactly yes yes and uh, for, for example i can tell you lately uh, there are periods actually where i can feel like watching something but not as you said like regardless of the mood regardless of how i feel i want to watch that film there are periods when uh i can for example when i feel like more metaphysical or uh, always give, give but but not watching the entire movie you know i just go on, for example and lately i was watching the the trailer for the, the tree of life which i consider to be like literally one of the greatest trailers ever made and mm. uh, so many times it gives me tears you know and makes me think about this greater metaphysical stuff you know and at the same time with a lot of emotion um unfortunately i don't think the movie is great as well but uh it's it's i would say it's more flawed but the trailer is wonderful on that mm. film and um and that same thing applies to Terence Malick's latest film um a hidden life um same stuff but yeah something that i could watch any time at any moment no unfortunately i don't have well, it's completely fine. Uh, yeah. Again, it's just it's one of those things where it's like for some people it's just constantly changing and evolving, and it's no um, better or worse than the people who are like, "Yep, I, this has been my favorite movie since I was three, and <laughs> I can always find some enjoyment out of it." Um, ah, yeah, I see. But then I guess uh, moving on, uh, we I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but. Uh, you are a filmmaker from Romania, uh, I think most well-known for at this point, uh, your found footage horror movie, Be My Cat, a film for Anne, which, as I said, is uh, a really interesting and unique found footage horror movie, one that I very much enjoy. I don't even uh, remember you. how I came across it. I, I think I just found it, uh, I was going through YouTube one day, and I think the trailer just popped up, and I I was like, oh man, I need to find out how how can I watch this movie any way that I can, and uh, I finally saw it, and I was I was blown away. It was a very, very uh, interesting character study, very very tense and suspenseful and horrific in uh, all the best ways that you want a found footage horror movie to be. And uh, the one thing I, I do have to say I really appreciate about it is I think that a lot of found footage movies today kind of fall into that trope of we're going to make things very very quiet and we're going to like nothing's going to be happening and we're going to get you on the edge of your seat and then we'll just do a big jump scare and everyone will scream and uh <laughs> and there's no substance to it but i think that one thing that you achieved in that movie very well is that you didn't uh rely on jump scares very much at all i mean there's definitely moments that make you jump but the the film very beautifully weaves suspense and uh constantly wondering like what is going through this character's head and how are these women going to deal with with what's going on and uh, it's it's just a fantastic movie anyone listening who hasn't seen it should go out and watch it but uh one thing that uh, just a couple questions i wanted to ask about that movie was how did you get the idea to make that <laughs> well thank you so much first for the for the uh, and i'm happy so i'm so happy you, uh, you you liked it you know and thank you so much for the appreciation and recommending it to people of course um so I did in uh, in college. Um, I did at some point. We did a show um, which was called Spitalul de Noapte in Romanian, Night Hospital would be the translation, in which um, um, all of us in in the class 
it's in the acting class, we had, uh, all of us, we had a monologue. And we were playing uh, people that are locked in a mental hospital, and they had all types of horrible background stories, the things that they did in order to be locked there, you know. Mm. And they appeared one by one in front of the committee, and they were retelling those stories, trying to convince the committee to set them free, Mm. you know, that they are healed. I think that your segment of that show is on your YouTube channel now, correct? I, uh, it's it's more than that. It's oh. actually I will tell you. I will t- I will reach that point as well. Okay. Uh, so 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 practically yeah. So um, um, so practically they were telling those the things they did to the committee in the hopes of being released. But actually the thing that they were saying, they were horrible things, you know. And practically <laughs> uh, that was a type of dark comedy. There was a type of dark comedy or horror comedy in that, you know. Um, so, uh, there was a colleague of mine who recommended me this, this monologue he found on the internet about, uh, about a guy who had some problems with his sister's cat or something like that, has some problems with cats and then kidnaps a girl. I forgot exactly the, the details of that original monologue. And then, uh, after I played that thing in that show, I expanded that monologue that I had to a one-man show after I finished college, practically mm. during my master's. I extended it to a one-man show called um, The Monster, and that is the fragment on YouTube that you found. Actually, uh, me, uh, it's a fragment from my one-man show. Okay. Uh, and I expanded it um, based on, it was practically a combination of some ideas in the original monologue, there were also uh, some ideas from uh, Jonathan Cowett's movie Tarnation and also my original ideas in that uh, in that one-man show. Uh, and because of that one-man show was um, uh, was successful, not financially successful, because I was like playing it to um, a couple of audiences. You know how maybe don't know how indie theater happens. You know, just playing cafes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was a success in terms of I mean it went to it went to uh, a couple of film festivals uh, sorry a couple of theater festivals in Romania and at some point I went to one of them and people were literally in tears uh, applauding and laughing and in tears at the same time at the end of the show and that's when I realized oh my god like I really have the the potential to do something great but just by myself you know both as an actor, producer, director, writer, everything. I can do something that can both move people and make people laugh and make people appreciate and overall, you know, give all types of emotions. Right. And, and, then, and then I kind of remembered about my huge passion for film because in Romania we have this problem, you know, with the acting schools. They don't talk about film anymore at all, you know, when you go to the acting school, everything's about theater, 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 theater. So it's a kind of a little bit of a unintentional brainwashing. So mm-hmm. when you finish the acting school, you only think theater, you know. And at some point, I realized, just a second, I don't really, I'm not a really a theater person. Always my dream was film, my huge passion was film. Like all my, all my teenager period was spent reading about movies, you know. I need to make mm. a movie, I need to leave theater behind, you know. <laughs> and I need, also because... Also because, okay, if I, if I could do that, if I could create that effect for some people in, a, in, a, in, a, in an indie theater for 10, 20, 30 people, I don't know, then isn't it better to, to I don't know, to, to spread this, um, to 
give this experience to more people around the world, you know, through, through film, through the art of film, because theater is limited by how many people you can touch, you know, with your art. Film right. doesn't have that limit. So this made me uh, start the project with, uh, with my cat, actually. What I took from, the, from that show is not the story, but I took the psychology of my character. So I, I can say that kind of Be My Cat is influenced in my role in Be My Cat has a lot of the psychology of my character in that show. And I took also the, uh, this, this cat thing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that he had his pro- this problem with cats that he had. Uh, and of course, then I had to I had to think. Okay, in my one-man show, the guy was kidnapping an actress at some point. And I thought, okay, and I I used to and I used to pronounce on stage the name of a real Romanian actress, you know. And I thought, okay, it's good to use this concept, and um, and that's how I came up with Anne Hathaway, you know, because I thought, okay, so it has to be an actress that is worldwide known, that everybody will be able to empathize and understand and know who she is. Mm-hmm. And also some, something that has to do with cats, you know, and it was kind of a coincidence that I heard about The Dark Knight Rises with Anne Hathaway and her playing <laughs> Catwoman in that film. And at the same time, at the same time, it was uh, uh, Les Miserables uh, uh, launched, released. And I was extremely impressed by her performers in Le Miserable, you know. Right. So practically, I could use I could use my fascination with her performance in the Miserable, in Le Miserable, for the for the for the obsession and the fascination that my character has with with her for the Dark Knight Rises, because the Dark Knight Rises was her performance was an okay, was a good performance. It was not like something that like blew me out. Blew me, uh, blew my mind away, you know, like this mm-hmm. happened with the, but I could use that psychology, I could make that analogy in order to use for my character. So that's how kind of Be My Cat was born. <laughs> it's a very interesting story. It's, it's kind of just like a lot of uh, taking sort of little moments throughout of like your own life experiences and kind of like warping them and I guess exponentially expanding on them to make this twisted and interesting character. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is a scene actually that is actually um, that I did not include in the movie. There, there are other scenes that I uh, I also took from the one man show, uh, which are probably even more inspired from real events. But I did not include in the movie. I think I will put um, one of them. I think I will put in the when I release the Blu-ray as an extra as an extra scene. Mm. So anyone listening who is already a fan of the movie, definitely be on the watch for that Blu-ray so you can see (laughs) the exclusive content that didn't make the, uh, didn't make the cut. Or my Patreon. If you don't want to buy the Blu-ray, just contribute $1 on my Patreon and you will get those, that exclusive content. (laughs) There you go. That's how you, uh, the easiest way to support the artist making even more art. Uh, I guess, so then, so you, you have, so you get this idea to make the, this, uh, found footage horror movie and, and through all these different life experiences, you sort of form the basis of what you want the film to be. So how do you go about, uh, actually making the the movie once you get the idea? And I guess that on an even broader scale, uh, what, what is filmmaking in Romania like? Because, I mean, you kind of answered it a l- earlier a little bit where there's this big focus on theater and not as much of a, a focus on, on film. So uh, what were some of the, I guess, the challenges or the um, obstacles you had to overcome in the making of the movie? Well, 
the film, the filmmaking in Romania. I don't know how, how, how filmmaking in Romania. Filmmaking in Romania is like uh, so much uh, uh, state-sponsored. You know, there is this uh, uh, this thing that gives grants. You know, and there is a competition. And but you need to have a film company. You need to have a name. You need to have participation in festivals. Uh, you need to have all kinds of complicated things. I. I, I I don't know how to make films this way, you know. To me, making a film is taking a camera, what companies and com and I don't know, uh, trying to convince and oh, I I don't know how to make films this way. It's so hard. I <laughs> 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 so I don't know how other people are making films. I mean, I'm totally detached from the uh, from the uh, uh, filmmaking. Um, I can say this from the official filmmaking community. Um, here in this country, you know, and um, and also from the subjects that are being uh, talked about in Romanian films, you know, because um, what the movies that were successful in Cannes and other uh, top festivals were the ones talking about the the communist period, you know, everything is mm -hmm. great, everything is ugly, suffering, uh, scarcity, because that's what uh, that's what uh, what is successful in the West, you know, showing. Right. Um, poor people in the in the east. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of exploitation of, um, um, in a way, you know, of this right. situation. Uh, so, actually, a critic even said at some point, said that my my movie kind of, just by making this movie kind of like it's a, it's like disregarding the. All the other cinematography that all the other cin all the other movies that were made in Romania, which still, which still uh, made a point, made still had success and stuff. So somebody literally took my movie as uh, going so far away from everything that has been done in Romania, took it as a type of rebellion against the the, the filmmaking system right. in Romania, and I found it interesting. And maybe it is actually to a certain point. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It sounds um, like a breath uh, a breath of fresh air for sure. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, how I did it? I had no idea how to do how to make a, a a movie. So practically, all I used was all the movies that I watched, and then I started learning everything while I was making. Everything on this project was learning while making. You know, I had no idea how to edit a film, had no idea how to finance a film. So simply just started with creating. And first, I I knew I needed money. Okay. So it, it, everything started with creating an, a campaign and on Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. I actually I created three of them because first was not very successful and then I advanced a little bit more with the production and I had more things to show and I made another one. So I made a little money in the end and then some, some of the people who donated in the campaign also said, hey, I want to help you more and um, uh, with, uh, with something, you know. So that's how I... Uh, either they say that I want to help more, or no, no, no. Actually, no. Actually, I no, no. Actually, I um, I put an announcement on some Facebook groups. Now I remember, and mm. I asked people to invest in my movie. You know, right. so we made we just made these um, understanding this these agreements. You know, because um, these investment agreements. You know, and uh, that's how I got the money <laughs> to make the film. And just just I uh, bought the camera and I put a casting announcement and I found the actors. Uh, I explained to them how I work, how I will work. That there is no script. That everything is based on improvisation. That everything is based on acting. 
uh, we communicated months in advance via email. I gave them a lot of mm, instructions, mainly in order to build their character psychologically. So then when we first met, when I first met the actors, we met directly in character. So the first shots you see in the movie of me in character meeting the actresses, uh, those were the first time when I actually met the actresses in, in real life. I was actually going to ask about that. That's really impressive. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted as much realism as possible because I knew since I, uh, since I don't have... Uh, a big budget since I don't have uh, I don't know I have the power of the film industry I need to compensate with something and the only thing that I can compensate is with what I know the best how to do it which is this type of realism because this is that the type of school that I studied as an actor I studied as an actor a method called uh, invented by a Romanian guy a Romanian teacher of acting called Ion Koja mm. uh, and he was also um, he was also a, uh, a theater director, and he had this he had this philosophy, both for as a, for a theater show and for acting. For acting, he has this philosophy that actors don't need to fake; they don't need to act. They need to actually go through to some process which is actually real for them, because that's the only way the audiences will empathize with them. And they, it must be a process that is not known in advance. You know, because if you in, in real life, you don't know what will happen in an hour or two or three. Everything surprises you, and that gives natural reaction. So he said, same thing needs to happen with an actor. If you already know how your acting moment will be in advance and you plan it and direct it, it will not be natural. Everything needs to be a, a natural process just like in real life. And that, thought, that gave me thoughts, okay, the only way to achieve this is to not have a script, literally, because then... If, you have the script, everything is known in advance, you already know what will happen, then your reactions won't be natural no matter how good, good of an actor you are. <laughs> and I don't have the power of uh, stars and whatever in order to compensate for, <laughs> uh, for that. Right. So that was on the acting part. And also on the, on the directing part, that teacher also had a wonderful philosophy. She said, like, in order for the uh, um, people, for the audiences to empathize with the theater, empathize with the theater show, uh, they need to not see any element whatsoever that that show is a show. Mm. They need to, uh, like, that show needs to look just like real life. The moment they see something that reminds them they, that, that is just a show, that will take them out of the, out of the experience. And then, after, when I studied this, then afterwards I made the collection just a second. Uh, but years ago, when I was in high school, I saw that movie Blair Witch, and that was kind of like that. I yeah. mean, they tried to make a film that doesn't look like a film, you know, that looks like a real <laughs> deal, you know. Exactly, So that's when yeah. I made the connection between, between my teacher's philosophy in both theater and acting and the found footage concept, and I found my thing, like, oh, my God, this is, this is my thing. This is what I have to do. <laughs> I wrote the found footage manifesto, you know, in order to really put my philosophy on paper and mm. practically, and then I, I, I started using it. <laughs> That's very inspiring, and I, yeah, I, 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 I definitely agree with what you said there about uh, you have to sort of take advantage of the resources you have available to you. I think uh, there, uh, the filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he had said something like, uh, studios may have the money and the financial support backing them, 
but the th- the one advantage that independent filmmakers always have is that the studios will never be capable with all of their money and all their resources to make something as interesting as what one individual with a camera in their backyard can do. So I think that it's definitely you've hit the nail right on I the was, head with how you summarize. And that. I was inspired. I can say I, uh, true, and I was inspired. I can see in my in my courage to do something. I was a lot inspired by uh, I think by this American spirit in the spirit of filmmaking, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know, probably I probably I read about it or I watched movies or I watched some documentary. No, this idea of just just a regular guy with a camera taking it and all of a sudden uh, dreaming of doing something great, you know? I, because in, in Romania we so and in a way I'm I'm glad that I didn't do it. I didn't study film in Romania because from what I've learned and I took some classes from this film school, you know, they kind of scare you, you know, they mm-hmm. tell you like, oh, you can't, you can't make a feature unless you've made shorts before. You can't make uh, that without money. You can't, you can't, there are, there are a lot of conditions. There are a lot of conditions put uh, uh, in front of you becoming a filmmaker. You can't do unless that, you can't do unless that. And then you, when you look at all this huge list, you are like becoming discouraged, you know, you feel like, uh, like I'm not going to do it. That, that's scary for me. You know, that's the same right. thing. I wouldn't advise people. I, I wouldn't put in my film film festival list. I have top a list that I research a lot. Top 100 film festivals and top 100 horror film festivals. I also put submission um, submission advices how filmmakers should submit movies to festivals. And uh, I also put an advice about how in, from the from the start what is the mentality I think you need to, to have as a filmmaker to start. Do not check literally, uh, uh, unless they help you, unless you feel like, unless you feel like they help you check them. I'm talking about this how-to, all these, mm-hmm. all these advices, you know, what you need to do in order to make a film. And everybody will give their advices. You need to have this, you need to have that. You need, to, I, I'm saying the opposite. You don't need to have a script. Uh, you don't know how to use a, you don't have to know how to use a camera. You don't need to have celebrities. You don't need to have actors. I would say everything that all those advices say, I would say the opposite. You know, I think you need to free yourself of all these preconceived ideas of what filmmaking is in order to really put your idea into practice because all those things you, unless you, unless those things help you, if they help you good, but if they scare you, don't listen to them. Because <laughs> right. for example, me personally, I didn't listen to anything. I just knew I had to do this, and I just found my own ways to do this. Exactly find your own ways. Everything else is just... <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I think that that's definitely the, the, the true spirit of, uh, of filmmaking, is just having that singular idea or that one motivation that I want to go out and make something unique, and whatever happens, happens. But I, th- this is what my end goal is, and I, I know that I'm going to get there. And I think that it's definitely that this story of you going out and making this movie is definitely a, a quintessential example of uh, of that sort of mentality and that uh, work ethic to just go out and make a movie. Yeah, and then hopefully, I don't know, at some point I, uh, I felt like maybe I can help people, not by telling them how to do a film, you know, but just writing an article and just letting them know that I did a film without knowing how to do one. And actually, this, this, the secret to make one is to not know how to make one. <laughs> right. Just go out and do it. Everything, the chips, exactly. will fall, the chips will fall where they may. Yeah, yeah. And take risks. Assume the risk. As, uh, I also, I mean, you, I mean, you need to assume risks, you know, along the way. Like, mm-hmm. uh, assuming the, 
the risk to it need, need, needs to be how should I say that, that that's part of creativity, you know. Like don't expect it to be perfect and and stuff like that. Don't expect it to be exactly uh, the way you want it. Because I heard also these creative worries from some people that would love to start into filmmaking or something like that. They have these creative worries, you know, that what if they won't be able to exactly put out their vision and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I think that also hinders. I think you need to be open to throw yourself into this unknown, you know, without knowing exactly, okay, you know what type of film you want to make in general. But I think wanting to reach exactly those details that you want, I think that's also a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you should throw yourself a little bit and see what happens in the end. Um, at least that's all what happened with my with my film, you know, because I Definitely. didn't know exactly how the film was going to look. I think that's why I think I believe a lot in working without a script on films, mm. uh, because uh, you you just assume the characters and then just you just set the characters free, like the the actors. You know, they just assume their roles. You know, very a lot of psycho psychological. I lived in character for a couple of years. You know, and uh, and and just and just just and then you just set these people free in not free between brackets free. You know, you give certain rules and you, yeah. and you give certain goals. And it's it's a controlled improvisation. But they still have the the freedom to be to act like human beings within that context. You know, they don't have to think of oh, what is my next line because people in real life they don't think what is their next line or whatever. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they, they have the freedom to follow their character's goal. For example, my goal was to, while shooting, was to actually, for real, convince Anne Hathaway to come in Romania and make a movie, you know, <laughs> within the psychology of my character. So uh, those things that I'm saying while I'm recording, they are not things that I thought of in advance. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of them, you know, but a lot of them just came naturally in the moment because I was actually trying to do that, you know. Right. I was actually trying to convince her. And then I had, and then you have this, a uh, huge number of, then you have this huge amount of footage, you know, you have tens of hours of footage from all the impro you did, and then you uh, you look at all the footage as a documentary filmmaker, you know, you look at all the footage like a, like a documentary filmmaker that shot real life events, and then he thinks at the end, okay, how to make this into a document, into a good, into a good story, you know, mm -hmm. and practically you build your story, of course, from the start, you kind of knew the general story. You didn't have the details. So at the end, in during the editing phase, you start building the details, you know? You start thinking, okay, so this is a better scene. This is, ah, I can put this and this together. Oh, I can put, ah, this works so well. This is really a good story, you know? You practically use some, <laughs> uh, some pieces of reality. First, the fir first job, I think, for a director working in improvisation is to create reality, to create moments Moments that are uh, that uh, that are that are real, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't matter uh, about the, the the details and the artistic vision that much. It's important to have moments that are real, first of all. And then at the end, during the editing phase, you look at everything you shot and you you you, you take bits and pieces from that reality that you created. And then by organizing them and by editing and by playing with them, then you create your vision and you have the freedom to, to still uh, create your vision in the end during the editing phase. So practically the editor becomes the writer of the film, exactly. just like uh, kind of in documentary films. I think that's why editing is my personal favorite aspect of the of production is because that's the, kind of for me, 
uh, a lot of people will say when you're actually working with the actors and you're seeing your ideas communicated into real life, it, that becomes the most fulfilling for a lot of directors. But for me, anyway, I I very much enjoy the editing aspect because that's literally where you can see this like abstract concept you had in your head of what you wanted your movie to be like coming to life as you as people will see it i think it's the most rewarding aspect of the of the entire production my only problem is that uh, i hate the actual physical part of editing i i right. find it like <laughs> I, I i i like when i edited be my cat like i stayed for months literally inside i couldn't sleep you know because Every day, I, because I was so much like, uh, so exact, you know, I, I, the, the thing that Kubrick had with, and probably that's why I empathize with him, this perfectionism, this perfectionism that he has when shooting, I'm the opposite. When shooting, I think when you need to renounce every type of perfectionism, because then the actors are not free to be lively, and then you need to give them full freedom, because otherwise they don't have lively moments. But then my perfectionism ed, uh, enters the scene at the end when I edit. Like literally, mm -hmm. I'm putting like one extra frame to a thing, and then I'm thinking half an hour if I did it right, if I should remove it, oh, I should remove it, I should put it back, I should remove it, I should put it back, literally like months and months and months, and I went into a site, it was horrible that period. Like literally right now I have to edit this movie. Um, uh, for, for, for Be My Cat, I have 25 hours of footage. For this one, I have 90 hours of footage. So literally oh, I have to goodness. edit it. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, I started the bit but I, I'm literally afraid I'm already into anxiety already thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> but I have to do it like unless other you know so many films they say like oh it's good to work with the, it's good to uh, uh, for the directors there's this advice in the film industry it's good for directors to not edit their own movies because they cannot be objective you know they, they mm. fall in love with the things they shot and they uh, think it's better than it actually is. So it's good to have an external director. For me, that's not the case. Like not, because I'm also writing, you know, I, since not having a script, I'm also writing my film right. while editing. So that's not an option to have an external editor. I need to do it myself, everything. Yeah, no, I definitely, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same way where I, the way that, I forget who said it, but the analogy that I always like to draw is, um, if you went to the if like if one day you decide I'm gonna go make a chocolate cake and then you go to the store and you buy the ingredients and you come home and you like put everything in the mixing bowl and you make the batter and you pour it into the pan you wouldn't go over to your neighbor's house and say here put this in your oven so I can finish this like <laughs> I, I I think that it, like if you're gonna be a director you should have. It, it, maybe you're not the most talented editor, or maybe you're not the most talented writer, but I think if you're going to be a director, you should be able to have your hand in all three of those areas because there, it, it's it's how this that story gets told, and I, I think that it is important for the director to ha have at least some extent of control over each step of that process. Yeah, and uh, I, I I I would agree that when you are um, editing uh, your own film you need to be uh, the only advice that kind of external advice about that I would give to other people you know like keep, it, keep your film as short as possible like festivals uh, audiences uh, critics everybody they are crazy as hell about length of especially genre Mm -hmm. if, if a genre film goes above 100 minutes they go crazy festivals don't select it uh, I don't know. People get bored. Uh, just, 
such a thing in the industry lately, probably because the world becomes so much like everything is about time. You know, we are bombarded with so much info, info from all the directions, and um, people have less and less time. You know, and that's why the length of film become films become become so important. For example, my film, mm-hmm. my get first film initially it had 109 minutes, I think, 109 minutes, and. Uh, I sent it to some festivals and uh, a top festival, a very big festival, rejected it. And one of the main reasons, I think, uh, South by Southwest, that was South by Southwest, yes, um, mm. and rejected it. And then they gave feedback. One of the main reasons was that it was too long. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, like, you need to, you need to, and then I brought it down to eight, seven minutes. Unfortunately, I lost the opportunity to go to South by Southwest because in the meantime it got selected in the original version to another festival so I they, I lost the world premiere opportunity in a big festival so that would be my only thing like in the final phase when you edit your own film like you need to be merciless with mm-hmm. the scenes you shot like literally you don't have to choose the best the best of your best scenes you know in order to to make the movie no you need to to choose the best of the best of the best of, the, of your best scene. Literally, like, live there, live there only what you have, literally, the best that you could ever do from everything you shot, you know? Exactly. Don't live there, don't live there things that are still good and you think, like, they will still... No, don't, don't leave them there. Just keep the, even, even if the film ends up having, like, 70 minutes or so, that's still... Especially, that is especially true for, for, for genre films or for found footage films. Mm. That would be my only advice. <laughs> and then I, I guess the the last uh, two questions I I, I I wanted to ask about uh, be my cat before we move on was uh, the you you had said that uh, there there was no script there was no uh, like traditional script of of what the story would be and what the dialogue would be. So I, I was just curious how much of it was actually like decided beforehand and how much was improvised. Like, did you even know what the ending was going to be before you made it? Or was that another thing you decided uh, as you went along? Yeah. Uh, from what I remember, <laughs> I don't remember everything. Uh, just, there was no script or anything. Okay. I actually, I think I have the, if I could do a, if I had the time, I could actually do a research and check back the emails and everything and see exactly what was known. <laughs> but just from my memories, uh, I think uh, it was definitely decided that these are go- they are going to be um, uh, three girls. You know, they are definitely decided the differences because I did the audition as well. The, um, uh, uh, their typologies, you know, uh, it was. I, I need to talk without giving spoilers, right? Uh, you, you can if you'd like, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you, or if you want, we could, we could say, uh, we could just say spoiler warning and anyone who hasn't seen the movie can should go out and watch it now and then come back and listen to the well, rest of this. Well, no, let's, let's, let, let's not, I will try to talk without giving spoilers. Okay. Actually. Okay. I will talk in, in general. So, uh, what happens with the girls in the movie, it was decided um and the order was decided um just the details the dialogue and the way the way it happens was not fully decided that was decided on the spot so mm. practically uh i had points for this for this script i had points the narrative points that i had to that i had to check you know 
Uh, this narrative right. point has been checked. This has been checked. This has been checked. So it but was more of a bullet happens, list than a than a script. What? So it was Sorry? more of like a like a bullet point list of the script. Like yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll start here. Exactly. We'll go here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had those narrative points, but I didn't know how exactly the details of the way they will happen. You know. Mm. And some of those some of those details were chosen while shooting, but not necessarily while improvising. Some of them were choice during the breaks. You know, I just sitting in my bed thinking, okay. Where are we going to shoot tomorrow? Okay, let's shoot there at that uh, somewhere. And some others were actually decided while improvising, mm. you know, like in character, in character, huh? depending on how our characters, how we felt while being in character, literally, you know, like the, the, those were, and, and I think a lot of the details were actually uh, decided this way. The, the majority of the details were pure improvisation in character. For example, and some were like extremely unexpected, like, uh, I'm not sure if you maybe you read the the trivia for Be My Cat. There is the um, that thing with Sonia when she when she calls the police. Mm. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> that's a very interesting because um, um, practically I I gave her the 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 instructions were like this because you know I was I was kind of playing this director this um, psychopathic director and she was playing an actress you know. Mm -hmm. So practically, I told Sonia, hey, like when you are playing this actress, you need to respect kind of the 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 indication. No, just a second, because it's complicated. I, I got confused by my own meta movie within movie within movie. <laughs> <switch. laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's not complicate things. Let's just tell you in general. So practically, I told you uh, her, you need to respect that what my character will tell, t will say to your character. You know, mm -hmm. you need to respect the indications that my character will give to your character. And then when, when, while improvising, when my character told her, you need to reject me, there is that scene in the movie. Right. You know? Because they were also shooting scenes, okay? So my character in the movie said to her, you need to reject me in the other character that they were playing in those scenes. So it's so hard. I think <laughs> probably it's too complicated for somebody without watching the, the movie to understand what I'm saying, but I can right. still say it. Okay, <laughs> you understand it, right? Yes, of course, so, uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so when I, when I said to her, hey, when my character will tell you, uh, you need to reject him, you need to actually do things to reject me for real. And I don't want to know what those things will be, you know? So actually, she called the police for real. <laughs> 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 and, and then that, that scene is actually the police coming for her calling the, like, not the, the emergency number, you know? The way you have 911, we have 112 in, in Europe. Mm. <laughs> so, so yeah so you can you and it's can a good way to add the... production value to your movie to have the actual police show up for a <laughs> yeah yeah scene. it was a good thing although stressful it was stressful at that point you know because yeah i was a bit afraid like what because afterwards uh afterwards for example there is another scene when i i felt like i like the the screamings in one scene i thought like ah they should have been more more intense, more realistic, or whatever. But <laughs> I, I was kind of a little bit um, afraid because of this police coming. Like, what if again somebody complains or something like that? Then police right. come 
the second time. And I thought, okay, when they come the second time, they will give us a huge fine and we don't have those money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I just for purely from a from an audience from audience member's perspective, I, I I can tell you that the screams were definitely very unnerving and and uh, and natural. So I I could completely see why someone might be like, "Oh man, what is what's happening in that house across the street?" But uh, uh, uh and there were, by the way, there were totally there was a moment. This is something that I never shared, and actually, I'm not going to give the the identity of the actress because i don't want to okay uh, so practically the, uh, the the because i shared online during the production some of the scenes and i you know because i wanted to create to give this sense of reality and fear and mm-hmm. you know that what's happening is real i shared online some of the the pictures not not footage just pictures just images on my facebook while i was doing the movie Mm. The father of one of the actresses got really worried and he oh, came no. while we were shooting the movie. <laughs> yes, he came and he, he stayed in that tension, you know, while we were shooting. And <laughs> he told me literally, like, I don't know how you are doing, but today you are finishing shooting with my daughter and that's it. And that changed, <laughs> and that literally changed my script. And just know this, like, like the ending of one of the scenes with one of the actresses were literally forced to happen this way because the father was there waiting <laughs> in the other room and I had to quickly, quickly improvise something. That's like, amazing. Because I got, I got very, I got very, uh, I got upset, very upset by what happened back then. But uh, uh, now I'm looking and I'm laughing looking back. And actually, actually looking at the way I shot that scene and everything, the sense of urgency, you know, that was upon me, actually, uh, actually, I think in it, it most probably it actually uh, pushed me to, uh, to do a more, uh, actually a more creative probably ending than the one I was actually planning. <laughs> right. Possibly. And actually, yeah, <laughs> speaking of the ending, uh, one of the last things I wanted to touch on was, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but uh, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time is uh, uh, John Carpenter. He made uh, the 1982 movie The Thing, which is my favorite scary movie ever. Uh, he did Halloween with Michael Myers, uh, Escape from New York, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, They Live, a whole bunch of fantastic horror movies. But uh, The Thing is is hands down my favorite, and that movie, without spoiling it, has a very, very ambiguous ending. Oh, which that, movie? Uh, Sorry, which movie? Which, which uh, of his movies? The Thing. Uh, ah, The Thing, okay. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen The Thing, yeah. Oh, okay, so then, yeah, you know, the, the a very ambiguous ending, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of debated as to what happened, but I actually got the chance to meet him at a convention this mm. past summer, and I, I, I said to him, I said, the the ending of that movie is, is so ambiguous. Do you even know what happened? And he laughed, and he said, I do know, and I'm not going to tell you. And then he <laughs> sent me on my way. So that was one thing that I wanted to ask you is that uh, I won't ask you to give away what it is, but it, is there a definitive fate for those two characters, and uh, do you know what it is? <laughs> uh, uh, those two characters, uh you mean the, the second girls, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the your, your character but, and uh, the ah, the, but, um, the uh, actress. Ha, 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 the, for, for the first two girls, like, yeah, it's obvious, I think, right? Well, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> but, the first two girls. I mean, the, the at the very end okay. of the movie with the, you the, and uh, uh, the other actress. For my character, well, 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 the ending. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Should I send you your way? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, <laughs> no. okay. If you want to, there's no there's no shame. <laughs> Yeah, no, here's the thing. Um, 
the movie that I'm working right now, we put the world to sleep. I have very good news for you about that. Okay. So the movie that I'm wake, working on, we put the world to sleep, will be a partial, will be part of a trilogy which will also include Be My Cat. So mm. Be My Cat, we put the world to sleep, and my third movie, which will be called Dr. Frankenstein, all mm. of them will have intertwined characters and, uh, and uh, narratives. So practically, this is, a, this is a trilogy of movies that have partial bits and pieces of connected stories. <laughs> Interesting. So, <laughs> so we may or may not get that, uh, that answer no, when we you, see. No, you will. You will. Oh, we will. You will, but I'm not sure. You will, but I'm not sure if you will. You will you, that will happen in We Put the Work to Sleep or that will happen in Dr. Frankenstein. Not sure yet. And it's good if I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, I definitely have given this, your, your style of making things. I think that's very good that uh, you don't quite know what will happen yet. So anyone who's seen Be My Cat and is also wondering about uh, the ending of the movie, be sure to keep an eye out for We Put the World to Sleep and Dr. Frankenstein to possibly yeah. get answers. Yeah. And then the last and question. They will, oh, sorry, go ahead. And they will go and uh, and and. I don't know. Expect to be disappointed, actually. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to say to people that like to be my cat, you know, because, oh. uh, as I said before, uh, I mean, expect to be disappointed because don't, don't, I don't have expectations. Expect your expectations being not met. That, that's a very good thing. I'd agree with that, yeah. That, that's a good way to <laughs> word that. I'm a, uh, I, I'm a person that, you know, like, I, I've seen some people in, in the past and and how they react, you know, when uh, they have a favorite director doing a certain type of film, and then they go and do something so different, and everybody everybody reacts with anger, you know, like why did why didn't you do the, <laughs> the movie that we love, we all love? Why did you do something like that, you know? Right. And right. Uh, I don't know. I think I might have been done something like that with Nicole Dewar. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll just have to to wait and see. <laughs> yes, but, uh... but if if that happens, but if that happens. Uh, if, if that happens, if you feel or other people listening and they like Be My Cat and they feel like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? Sorry for... No, 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 it's okay. You, word, can, you but, can use whatever okay. language you want. Okay, and uh, <laughs> j j just know that that actually that reaction you have is actually uh, something that I might have thought actually because I'm a person that likes to always <laughs> mm. challenge challenge expectations, challenge viewers, <laughs> and challenge the world, you know, that's why I did Be My Cat, and, and uh, we put the world to sleep, pushed, pushes will push limits, like, like, I took enormous, enormous creative risks with, with we put the world to sleep, like, I mean, <laughs> you mm. don't even know. <laughs> so that I get... Like, the meta, the meta structure also oh, okay. is like... Uh, uh, the meta structure, which is like movie within movie uh, structure, that one also goes to uh, extremes. I don't want to talk to you about which extremes. <laughs> but, but, but uh, okay, what I can tell you is that uh, at some point when I started to edit the film, um, I also got confused about which is which literally what what i what i shot myself <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> interesting interesting yeah so then i guess the, the last question i had about be my cat was uh has anne hathaway seen the movie <laughs> good question good question interesting uh 
actually a lot of people ask this question. I like saying like interesting because I'm also wondering this. You know, like uh, that's what I'm. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I literally don't know. Like um, uh, the the thing is this. At some point, uh, while making Be My Cat, uh, I, I also tagged Dan Hathaway. The distributor of Be My Cat also tagged Dan Hathaway when they shared things about the movie. Mm. Uh, the Be My Cat is mentioned on her Wikipedia page as well. You know, mm. um, uh, At some point, I messaged Anne Hathaway's team and manager asking if I can use her name in the movie. I didn't get a response back. Mm. Uh, there, was, there was another situation like, uh, I will tell you on very, very, very shortly about that thing. We, we've been scammed for a couple of years, from 2016 to 2019. We've been scammed by uh, me and my wife, you know, by a fake producer to work on a fake project, you know. Mm. And that guy said that he is working from for a production company, which was also uh, uh, Anne Hathaway's manager involved, you know. Okay. So uh, that guy like used fake credentials. Um, used fake signatures on contracts, like a very extensive scam, like multiple multiple filmmakers involved. He even went to uh, an Italian guy, like Andrea Corbella, his name, you know, and talk about this to expose him. I also exposed him in an article. Like he scammed multiple filmmakers around the world. Like he even went to Cannes and to festivals in Brazil. He was invited as a representative of the Hollywood company Entertainment 360, you know, which mm-hmm. is like run by, uh, among others, by Anne Hathaway's manager. So this guy was <coughs> doing all these things around the world. And we also, me and my wife, Kassam, ended up his, uh, his victims. And uh, when, this, when everything fell apart, I actually called the actual, when I saw that we are not receiving our money for all the work that we did, all the script writing, all the preparation and everything, when we saw that we are not getting our money and anything, we called the actual office like Entertainment 360 in Hollywood. And they said, oh, we never heard about Andrea Corbella, about this guy. Mm. So practically when I told, called that office, that was the assistant of Anne Hathaway's manager. So we were shortly in discussions with them. They also hired uh, an investigation, uh, some private detective to check this guy. So indirectly, the team around Anne Hathaway learned about me mm. because of this story and all the other things, learned about me and this movie including. But if, if this led to actually Anne Hathaway hearing about it, I literally don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. And also considering, I'm not sure how much she's into internet, also considering that she was like, remember when it was the Had a Haters, that period, there was a wave after she, did the, after she won the Oscar for The Miserable, there was a, a wave of haters, of Anne Hathaway haters. It was mm-hmm. called, they were called Had a Haters. And right. she was not aware of this, you know. Later, a friend of her told her, like, hey, like, do you know that the internet is full of people expressing hate for you? And she was extremely disappointed and extremely upset of, of that. Of course, everybody would be to learn that people hate you for no reason, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and also, I think that is a sign that she is not a person reading about herself online or checking things about herself, you know. Right. So, I'd she might, she might have not. I literally don't know. <laughs> well, maybe yeah. one day we can get her official review. We'll see what happens <laughs> down the line. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I tried. Like, I literally, I think I contacted either her or her, her uh, 
team or something asking like, hey, like, this is an indie filmmaker making efforts here. Do you think I can have some Van Hathaway maybe saying something about my movie? Doesn't matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I didn't receive any response, of course. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed that hope that hopefully one day, uh, <laughs> one day you do. Uh, so we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, I guess really quickly, let's talk about some of your, the, your upcoming projects. Though we put the world to sleep in Doctor Frankenstein, your yeah sort of semi connected to Be My Cat uh, trilogy. Uh, so you're you're currently editing. We put the world to sleep uh, now, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. What can you uh, tell me about that movie? What's that one about? Well, uh, yeah, we put word to sleep. We put word to sleep is a, a deals with with uh, uh, with two two lovers who make a movie. Uh, a, practically, there is a couple that makes a movie about a couple that ends the world. You know, mm. and they also act in that movie. And while acting, while while playing those roles about people uh, who who plan to end the world. They become lost in their characters, and then they decide to uh, to stop to stop shooting their movie and actually use the movie's budget and everything in order to end the world for real. Mm. While using while using the the research and uh, on the movie as a justification for them researching real methods of ending the world, like mass weapons of mass destruction and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. And then are you so you're you're currently editing that uh, are you, so once that editing is done and you're gonna are you just gonna try the festival route and see where that goes with uh, a, a digital a digital release or do you not even have that far ahead uh, what what your plan will be yet? Well, uh, um, first step is festivals. I mean, it is essential for feature films. It is absolutely essential that they have the world premiere in a very big festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, festivals are everything, you know. There is there are so many movies being made out there, and uh, the only way to, as an indie guy, to become known and do something is through festivals. So that's everything. In order to be picked up by a good distributor, in order to have publicity, uh, everything has to do with a big festival. Uh, that that's something that kind of I I, I only half half achieved with Be My Cat, because the Be My Cat had the premiere in a very important festival, just Fanta Sporto, Fanta Sporto, Fanta Sporto, actually important in Portugal. Mm. Um, that one is actually one of the top horror and fantasy film festivals, but it's not like literally one of the top ten, like Cannes, Sundance, and and uh, I don't know Tribeca, South by Southwest, Berlin, and stuff like that. And, right. And those those top ten are so essential, or for genre films and. Very essentially, Sidious Fantastic Fest and Fantasia Film Festival. Mm-hmm. These three are extremely powerful, and uh, I really hope I I get either in one of those top ten general festivals or in these three uh, genre festivals uh, selected with it. Um, that's my hope. <laughs> yep. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, I, I yeah. just looking at Be My Cat. Uh, you're a very talented filmmaker, and. I'm very eager to see uh, what happens with anything that you have your name attached to coming down the road. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers hopefully, crossed. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, 
I was about to say, hopefully I won't disappoint you, but actually just before I said that you will be disappointed. So I don't know what to say. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> throw all expectation out the window. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> throw all expectation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so if, if anyone who hasn't seen Be My Cat and wants to check it out uh, after hearing our discussion on it, uh, the if you want to go out and watch it, uh, you can. It looks like you can rent it on Amazon Prime. You can rent it on Vudu. Or you can watch it for free on Tubi with advertisements dispersed in between. So definitely check it out. I think it's an amazing uh, found footage horror movie. Definitely very unique among all of the different found footage movies that are out there today. Uh, you won't be disappointed with your experience. And definitely keep an eye out for the eventual release of We Put the World to Sleep and Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. <laughs> and. Okay. And then I guess that really quick, I, I we kind of rambled a, a lot more in the beginning that I than I was expecting, but uh, I guess yeah. that that brings us to um, the traditional film discussion portion of the uh, of the podcast. So how this usually works is I used to have a YouTube show where I would recommend ten movies every month that I had seen that I thought were interesting, uh, but YouTube has a system in place that kind of is not that doesn't really favor uh, you showing clips of other people's movies, even if it is legally considered fair use and criticism and analysis. So those videos would get flagged by copyright all the time and no one ended up seeing them. And I also just hated the sound of my own voice rigidly reading a, a script that I would write discussing all my thoughts for each movie, but I still wanted to do film discussion. So that's why we have this show. So in an ordinary episode, I would recommend the guest a movie, the guest would recommend me a movie, and then we discuss. But as we've said earlier, you're very busy with editing and uh, going into, I guess, pre-production uh, sometime soon on your next movie. So uh, we didn't necessarily recommend each other a movie. But as we said in the beginning, uh, one thing that we share is that two of our favorite movies ever are 2001 A Space Odyssey and The Blair Witch Project. So I get, I had suggested that we talk about those briefly as uh in, in place of the recommendations so uh there we've already talked about them a lot but they're both very very iconic movies uh the blair witch project is i think easily one of my favorite scary movies of all time and and, and as you said definitely very very groundbreaking in uh everything that it um uh achieved and how it influenced uh horror as as a whole so we kind of talked a little bit about how you discovered 2001 but uh how did you uh how did you come across the Blair Witch Project uh, on tv as well yeah again the same way like a uh, mm -hmm. similar way like I was I was buying those tv um tv magazines and uh, at some point I saw Blair Witch and it was rated four stars mm. <laughs> the stars from all movie I saw like hey, I need to watch this this film so uh, I remember uh, scaring me you know and uh, I'm still sir but I of course I'm still surprised to this day that some people believe that this was real like during college mm -hmm. when I was in Romania when I was studying uh, masters and uh, no sorry not not masters actually during uh, first first how do you call it in English the first part of college uh, uh the bachelor's degree I the bachelor yes. part yeah <laughs> okay when I, I at some point i was that kind of recommended to my colleagues to do some monologue from the blair witch project and one of my colleagues that do you know that this was real this actually happened <laughs> 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 oh, 
I was like so funny after all these years. Some people still believe that was real. And uh, uh, by the way, I, I need to make a, I need to say a little bit uh, shortly to return to be my cat. Do you know this happened actually to me with be my cat? Like I I, I met some. Uh, for a very short period of, of time, I, I was part of a political party here in Romania, and uh, I, I, we went with the members of this party, with the local members here in my local city in Redowitz. We went to just have a beer after after having the party meeting and all that. Okay. And, and one of them said that their friends, their uh, uh, when they were, I think. When they were in in high school or something like that, their friends were saying like, "Oh my God, do you know that this crazy guy, this Sophie, literally kidnapped some girls and did horrible things to them? <laughs> like unbelievable, unbelievable! I the people to hear that people actually in my local city talk about we have this crazy guy who kidnapped actresses. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 like yeah. <laughs> That's definitely one of the drawbacks of found footage. Uh, at, as a whole, I, I, I forget what movie it was, but there was a, I think the, the widely considered to be, uh, or no, it was called Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal it, Holocaust, yeah, yeah, it, yeah the, where he had to. There was that court case where the director had to prove <laughs> that he actually didn't kill the, uh, the exactly. actors. <laughs> so. Exactly, but that against, that go, that went against his concept, you know, because he actually had contracts with the actors so that they they don't show their faces in public for the next year, so that they look di- disappeared, you know. So practically, right. the judge just destroyed his marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and I. I think Blair Witch Project did the did the same thing, but I mean, like when you think about that from the actor's point of view, that must really be frustrating to be a part of something that was as groundbreaking and as like widely critically acclaimed as it was. To and then you suffered you, a lot of backlash. Yeah, exactly. well, it suffered the backlash, but also uh, to not even be able to be around during the big uh, success period. To, to ah, be yeah, you are talking. Ha, 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 yeah, you're, you're talking, so just a second, I didn't know that Blair Witch did the same thing, keeping the actors away from the, from the, oh. I don't know, from the red carpet. Yeah, 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 no, they, they did something similar, but I don't think it was, it lasted uh, a, a lo- as long as Cannibal Holocaust, Ah, so, so just, yeah, so, ah, uh, so the actors in the Blair Witch, they, they didn't go, for, uh, there's something very interesting, maybe you already know, did they go to the premiere at Sundance with the directors? And the producers and all that? I don't think they did. I, I If they did, maybe... I, I remember hearing something about that uh, they maybe went in, like, disguises or whatever, or, like, they sat in the back uh. and then left early. I, I don't I don't know for sure. I know uh. I know that I, I was listening to a panel where the actors were talking, and they, they had said that during the making of the movie, they, they, they didn't think what they were doing was any good, and they thought, like, like no one was going to watch it. And then when they saw... Um, the the finished the finished movie they were blown away but uh mm-hmm. one other interesting thing that I, I i really like about that movie is that the or, the original for and kind of going back to what you had said about uh uh learning and festivals and like trimming out and extending certain things and and making changes based on requirements and all that the original cut of the movie was uh was intended to be much much different than what we actually got it was the original movie was going to be edited as if it were a real documentary of like police and the the family members being interviewed and like talking about the disappearance and then the last mm. the last 10 minutes or so was going to be uh, a montage of the footage that they shot so really it would have been maybe like an hour and 15 minutes of like this d- documentary of the of the the moms and the dads being like we don't know where oh, our kids are much and... uh, much of a much of an artsy project yeah not that, right uh, yeah not that, 
Um, and then I and then once they once they did that in festivals, uh, they were like, "Man, this isn't really being received well. Maybe what we should do is, since we have all this footage of them in the woods, let's just make this the entire movie and so, see so, what happens." Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, so, so they they sent that initial thing to festivals, and they were they were being rejected. That's that's what you're telling me. I think so. I I I, I want to say they sent it. The uh, or they at least made a. Uh, because what they did was they, they they edited that that version of the movie where it was mostly a documentary and then the last 10 minutes was the stuff in the woods and then after uh the 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 DVD of Blair Witch Project came out one of the bonus features was you could watch the um the documentary portion of like the of like the 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 police and the friends and families being like oh yeah we don't know what happened uh, you could watch oh that God, as like that a is bonus so feature but do you know that i don't even know about the existence of that that part on the dvd i need to get that part i think when i have time to watch it it's oh so yeah interesting. It, it is very interesting there's oh. there's all there's so much lore and so much extra like the 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 directors were very um the, the there there's been like tie-in books there's been like old uh early 2000s computer games of like expanding the lore there was a, a video game that came out like a few years ago that uh i actually haven't finished playing yet but it's like uh sort of in like sort of what you had mentioned with we put the world to sleep where it's like uh the same storyline but at different characters and they're not really connected there's a whole uh expansive amazing lore that goes with this movie but uh mm. I, I i don't think none of it really uh measures up to uh to the same standard as that movie it's the it's a, a really special experience unlike anything else i've ever seen well about about yeah since we are talking about <laughs> Blair Witch project um at some point uh, you know on, on that list of mine um, the, the the movies that impressed and influenced me the most you know, at some point I was also giving stars to the movies mm. in, in an attempt to not only say that which movies influenced along my life, you know, to, to give my current opinion on, 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 on those movies, you know. Right. And uh, I remember last time we put the word sleep had uh, actually, no, not stars, like uh, um, grades from one to ten, you know, just like on rating, just like on IMDb, you know, and I think I gave like. Mm-hmm. Like uh, eight to 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 a space odyssey, and I think I give six to the Blair Witch Project or something like that, you know. Okay. But then I deleted. Then I then I deleted the ratings because I realized, oh my God, they are so relative. They constantly change. Like when I'm in in a certain period, uh, in a certain month, or in a certain day, in a certain move, I, mood, I feel like that movie is worth more, and then I feel like it's different. And uh, I had too much to edit my list, so I deleted the ratings altogether, and also to not make uh, unnecessarily make some some enemies in the film industry like right, right. <laughs> just by rating their movies low and when already my, that that opinion is not relevant you know because it's constantly changes so it's uh, mm-hmm. but 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 overall overall let's say uh, right now i don't have the same uh, appreciation i i for beverage in terms of in terms of substance in terms of in terms of content you know because mm-hmm. i'm I think it's a. I think it's a movie that it does great what it does. You know, I think it's a. It's a definite masterpiece in terms of realism and in terms of working with the actors because they, they, the directors, they didn't direct the uh, the actors. You know, they didn't say you go there, you do that. They created the circumstances for the truth that they wanted to achieve in the movie to happen naturally you know? exactly so that's yeah. what i think the, that's what i think a director should do he shouldn't direct he shouldn't create the circumstances for for uh, for for a certain universe for a certain fictional life to start evolving 
right. in the same way that normal life evolves and develops, you know, but within a fictional frame, you know, and yeah. the, 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 per the purpose of the director, I think, is just to build that frame and then give full freedom to the actors and other people involved to just exist within that frame and evolve, you know, I think that's what they did and that's, that's essential. What, as a movie, what it's uh, kind of like, uh, I find it lacking today is uh, the actual because it doesn't have, uh, it's, not a, it's not in terms of story, you know, taking aside the realism and all. In terms of story, just some people that go through the woods, they uh, scream, they just get killed, you know, and that's it. <laughs> I yeah. think there is, not, there is no discussion about, uh, uh, about the human nature, about the meaning of life, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this art to film, you know, it's not like necessarily doesn't go into that direction, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so this is something that I, I find it lacking. You know, I, I feel the need for also for more substance in the film. Just the way, the same way I feel like uh, 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 2001: A Space Odyssey. I feel I feel like it has a lot of substance, but it lacks in terms of. Of uh, it's uh, it, it, for example, I, I'm spending, I'm watching the beginning with the monkey and that, but then I'm spending a good portion of the movie just waiting for the final scene to happen. You know that mind-blowing scene with the guy traveling to that tunnel of light and yeah. uh, the scene with the rock. But there's a lot of action happening and actors talking and this and that where nothing happens. And and I don't think it's impressive because uh, just I don't uh, I don't know. I think the movie lacks, you know, in terms of some realism and some life you know uh, unless right. and, and it and it shines only when there is when, only when when life and 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 actors interacting only when they are not important that's when the movie actually shines you know which is those <laughs> metaphysical flashes of light and uh, shapes and <laughs> right <laughs> that's yeah the thing. so on the on, on on the Blair Witch on the opposite I think it's it's perfect in terms of realism and actors and 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 what's happening but it lacks in terms of how deep, uh, how much, in, in terms of, because I think this realism can be used to talk about bigger issues about, uh, about the human nature and, and life, you know, not only about some actor disappearing in a wood, you understand? Like mm -hmm. imagine this realism, the same realism in, in Blair Witch being used to talk about, uh, I don't know, uh, things concerning the nature of, I don't know, the meaning of life, like big things that usually these big movies talk about, you know? Imagine what that impact would have on, the, on, a, on a society or on people. Or maybe it wouldn't. Maybe everybody would see, oh my God, such a boring thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does boil down to that, uh, the subjectivity we were talking about where some people are going to completely go with what you're, what, what you're saying and they're going to <laughs> agree 100% and other people are just going to be like what the hell did I just watch that made no sense and you, all, at the end of the day you can't really control that but I, I think that you do like uh, any director just kind of hopes that uh, um, th their message is at least understood uh, maybe not necessarily agreed with but that people at least understand where you're uh, where you're coming from that's what I tried to do by the way with with, with put the word to sleep because I wonder that's I didn't say what's the connection actually with these two movies you know I wanted to do and we put the word to sleep exactly this I wanted to combine the metaphysical uh, approach in in 2001 the space odyssey with the realism the found footage realism in Blair Witch Project so practically I wanted to combine these two things from the movies that impressed me the most into one film yeah yeah 
Well, I'm now. I'm, I'm even more excited to see that movie. Yes. Now, if you're gonna <laughs> combine those two elements, that I I would be very interested to see how well those uh, how how they go together. But uh, but 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 this thing with be my cat was not 100% it's planned. Right. You know, I think it it was uh, be it being uh, being having a connection with be my cat and being a partial a partial sequel in a way to be my cat was like kind of up in the air and. Uh, I don't really remember to what extent it was planned. <laughs> it was such a complicated, such a long process with this movie. So many, so many, by the way, so many obstacles as well. And uh, yeah, okay, let's let's turn back to movies. Sorry, to yeah. the movies that we were discussing. But yeah, the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, there's not much. I, I feel like I can really say. If you haven't seen the Blair Witch Project, I don't really think there's much more else I can say without spoiling it so you, i think you should definitely go out and watch it uh if you if you haven't seen it yet it looks like uh it's available to rent on youtube movies uh itunes voodoo amazon and google play all for four dollars to rent it i think it's fantastic uh it is a little bit polarizing i i think the uh, especially among horror fans i find that people either really really love this movie or they really really don't like it they think yes, it's it's, yes, it's dumb yes. But I, I personally think it's an amazing experience to have at least once. It's it's uh, it, it's what kickstarted the whole found footage. Well, not like the whole, but like it, it's what brought found footage. I think into the uh, the sort of mainstream recognition of horror movies. I don't think that without it, we would we would have that genre, or at least it wouldn't exactly. be as uh, as strong as it is today. Exactly, exactly. Because I also did be my, for example, even I was inspired by that film, not only in terms of concept and everything, but also I was inspired by the success of that film. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, of course, I'm, I was struggling with theater, with this and that, and I thought, okay, I make this film, and look, that movie was made with little money, and they made millions of dollars. So mm -hmm. I, I, I also saw the, I also saw the, 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 you know, that dollar sign reflected in my eyes, you know, <laughs> I was doing to my cat, you know, I thought, oh, <laughs> we can actually make a living for if we make one for this. So that was also an important element, yeah, the, like the movie being made this way and making so much money. <laughs> right, right. And then I, I guess the, the one other thing I wanted to mention about the Blair Witch Project is I, I was wondering if you were familiar with. Uh, the sequel that came out in I want to say 2016 that uh, was very n negatively received. I've I've watched it. What did you think uh, of that? It's a it's a film that literally I don't have much to, to say literally about it because it's like yeah, it I, I agree. It has uh, I don't know it I I didn't see I didn't see any of the uh, the, the thing is this the thing is this with with found footage and stuff. Um, a lot of uh, and after Blair Witch and with that film as well and other films as well, you know, like uh, that movie was they took a lot of risks. Like creativity has a lot to do with risk, you know. They just took these actors, they uh, I don't know, they <laughs> trod through them into the woods and see what happens, you know. And they created this circumstance and exactly what they did. What I was telling you about this creative process, you know, mm -hmm. when they saw, but Hollywood, Hollywood in general and the, the big film industry is obsessed with not having risk. He's obsessed with certainty. He's obsessed with, uh, obsessed with recipes. Yeah. You know? They I think they think of movies as, like, an investment. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. What is the recipe? What is the recipe? Once we put our money, we cannot risk anything. We cannot risk losing those money. You know? The, the studios don't think like indie filmmaking. They don't take any risks. You know? Like, once right. they put their... They only put their money when they have the assurance that that film will be Because of that, they want. 
I, they want the cinematography, they want the script, they want this, they want this, they want this, and that. And then you have all these found footage films, which are only found footage in, I don't know, in, on paper. But when you actually look at them, they don't feel real. Because every line is scripted, every movement of the actors, whatever they do with the camera, is it's like, it's like literally, it's so obvious that there is a professional cinematographer there who doesn't shake the camera because he, he uh, I don't know, he's one of the characters, you know, and he's afraid of something and the, 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 cam, the, the hand shakes because he's actually afraid or, or he, he, he's in a position when he cannot hold the camera. No, it is so obviously that they are shaking it just because to reproduce the found footage feeling, you know? Exactly. Everything is so fucking big. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> what is that? That's the problem with, with this, with this uh, studio found footage films because... <laughs> It's Where's too, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's kind of dishonest in its uh, approach. It, it's trying to mimic something that is kind of inherently like an independent, uh, <laughs> an independent experience. And, and it's that's and it's so paradoxical, you know. Like like now, big studios trying to to mimic uh, instead of actually doing it, they, they are trying to mimic the style. Like wow, this is this is so mind bending, literally, you know. Like yeah. uh, like uh, like a, 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 a big studio seeing that a, that a small an, an indie film where they just went randomly into some woods or whatever and then they they got successful and then and then the studio doesn't think okay what was the thing that made it successful in terms of essence you know what was their concept of working with you know they just look at the film and they try to find this superficial method and then mimic it you know ah exactly. so the camera moved this way okay. Fire, hire a cinematographer to shake the, this camera this way and put this type <laughs> of light, you know? Like, sort your superficial understanding of everything, you know? Everything is on the surface, it's about money-making, and uh, in a very, ugh, yuck, I don't like it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and it, and it goes back to what uh, I said earlier about uh, that Robert Rodriguez quote where uh, studios today are now the, 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 like, and also like you said, is that movies have become so much of a... Uh, a financial investment more than a uh, a creative artistic experience that uh, studios are so afraid to take risk and and fund something original, but ultimately that that that's their biggest downfall is that they they can rake in the money, but oftentimes the stuff that they churn out is something that's very formulaic, very by the numbers, something that you've seen over and over again, and they're really desperate to try and emulate the uh, the ingenuity and the creativity of the the smaller people who d maybe don't have the, the the budget but they have all the ideas it's that like, the studio is exactly it's like, why, exactly it's like why not why why do you try to mimic creativity in the, instead of actually being creative i mean it's like <laughs> it's just it's it's mind-boggling but uh yeah it's uh, all that is to say the blair witch project is an amazing horror movie that uh easily in my top 10 i think i usually place it somewhere between uh 10 and 7 i don't know what the exact number is off the top of my head but it's it's somewhere between those uh those rankings uh uh and so yeah if you haven't seen it definitely go out and 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 watch it. it love it or hate it it's a unique experience unlike any other in in horror and then moving uh -huh. on uh, sorry or sorry, sorry go ahead I, I would like to uh, can i recommend you some another movie close to uh, to Blair, like actually two more movies of course uh, yeah another another two found footage films that impressed me a lot uh, were uh, exhibit a and zero day 
I mean, Exhibit A, I think it's an excellent phone footage drama. Hmm. Actually, Exhibit A gave me what I couldn't find in, in Blair Witch Project, you know? Right. Gave me that intense drama talking about issues that people deal in, in, in most people deal in life and stuff like that. And very powerful ending. Uh, I would recommend you as well, Exhibit A. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and I don't zero... think I've seen that movie. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, it's from 2007, I think. Yeah, Exhibit A. Hmm. Went to Rain Dance Film Festival. And, uh, and also another one is Zero Day. Zero Day is about two kids that plan to uh, record themselves while they plan an, an assault on their school. You know, it's uh, hmm. nothing horror, nothing thriller, you know. It's just... <laughs> Just pure. It's not a commercial film. I'm telling you, but I think it's uh, I think it's powerful for something with into more artsy artsy stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, actually, I I remember I remember hearing about Zero Day. There's a there's an, a, a similar film uh, that I've seen. If you if you if you like Zero Day, I think that you might enjoy. Have you seen uh, Operation? Uh, not Operation. Uh, the Dirties is the name of the movie. Ah, uh, I've seen the Dirties, and uh, somehow I didn't like the Dirties. Oh, okay. But I liked Zero Day. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I guess, I mean I won't give reasons because you know what like when when it's about uh, I don't know I would criticize big Hollywood productions but when these little people uh, make an effort to do some indie film I feel I find it like in a way immoral to criticize it literally <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> because yeah they already it's so hard it's so hard to as an indie guy take so many risks you know and not always uh, you not always make a film that would satisfy everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely add those two to my uh, to my watch list to check out uh, down the road. Mm. They they sound very interesting. And then I guess finally the uh, the other movie that uh, we were we wanted to talk about uh, that we've already yeah. talked about uh, pretty extensively, but I, so I don't know how much we'll uh, we'll have left to say on it. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, Stanley yeah. Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey, which. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, again, I don't remember. I don't know exactly where I'd place it. Probably uh, around the same uh, between the number ten spot and the number seven or six spot. But uh, two thousand one, hmm. A Space Odyssey, is definitely my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie. Uh, it, it's an amazing experience. I actually earlier, uh, I, I don't remember if it was last year or no, it, it was uh, yeah, it was about a year ago. I got to see it uh, in a IMAX um, planetarium theater, which was amazing. It was a uh, uh, the whole a big uh, curved ceiling of this planetarium was turned into a uh, a projection screen and the seats were almost planted at an incline so you were like looking up at this like gigantic projection it, it's it's mm. amazing if you if you can see 2001 a space odyssey and imax it's 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 oh so my god much do you know the, do you know that i i would have loved to watch yet 2001 on a big screen but Mm. I, that would have been such an experience. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely if you can find a way to do it, I, I it, it's it's totally worth it. A uh, big is the perfect uh, word I would I would say for it. It's it's big in uh, its ideas. It's big in its execution. It's honestly I, I think very game changing in in terms of sci fi. It, it it's what inspired George Lucas to go out and make Star Wars to some extent with in terms of the effects. It's. Uh, it, it By the way, about Star Wars, about Star Wars, is like I think that's the sci-fi movie that I like the least. Oh, really? <laughs> Literally, yes. Like because I, I grew up with something that was uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey in terms of sci-fi. You know, that was my mm. connection, and everything was so realistic. You know, and there because I was into physics so much. You know, and 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 uh, everything 
was so mature, you know, talking about big things and also uh, the, the, the fact that the, the space conditions, the way they were realistically reproduced, the way there was no sound in the scenes when they happened in space, there was no sound, you know, I was so fascinated yeah. that, oh my God. And then everybody was talking uh, about, uh, constantly hearing about Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. And I finally saw Star Wars, but not, <laughs> not as a kid. I, I saw it kind of much later, you know, right. I, I saw Star Wars for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, so disappointed. I think I read uh. it one star on IMDb or something like that. <laughs> it's like coming from that and seeing like the spaceships that make in space. I'm like, what the fuck? What, what, what is the sound? Where is the sound coming from? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> star Wars is definitely not the, uh, the, the movie you put on when you want to see realism in, in terms of, uh, yes, exactly. in terms of exactly. sci-fi. Exactly, and later, later I heard some people that, oh, like, uh, Star Wars is so good to be seen when you are a child, actually, it, work, it works much better, some people say, than, yeah. than you are see, when you are seeing for the first time as an adult, probably, I don't know. As, as someone who's <laughs> had that experience, I, I definitely agree. If you see Star Wars when you're, like, six or seven, it's definitely... Uh, not as bothersome as when, uh, as yes, when you're yes. an adult. Yes, yes, and I'm probably, probably, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, I, I can't stress enough how influential 2001 is. It's just, like, in terms of the, uh, that was, the, I, I had a class that I, it was a, um, not necessarily, like, a, uh, a graded class in high school. It was more like a, uh, a, a, a club that would meet, uh, for, like, an hour each day, uh, where we would, we would see, we would watch, um, scenes from uh from great movies and we would sort of critique them and analyze them and like talk about like what we thought about them and this was uh the 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 teacher who taught that class for me this was hands down one of his favorite movies ever and he would he would do like the whole the whole year long he would gush about 2001 and he was like oh we're gonna have a solid like day where all we do is talk about 2001 and we'll talk about how like amazing the effects are and the the monkey sequence and the music and all that like so I, I had all of it hyped up for me so I was like okay give me give me your best shot how amazing can this movie be and it's just I don't know it's something about every single time like when we when we start off on the black screen with like those like disembodied like howling voices and then the orchestra builds and you see the planets like rising against the sun it's just ah oh, it's oh, exactly, it, it's exactly, such a powerful exactly. experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly like literally literally the first the first frame which is something so simple you know uh, that, as you said, the, that 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 planet rising, you know, or the sun rising. I forget exactly. Yeah, that, but yeah, it's it's so impressive. Everything is so um, symmetric and mm-hmm. perfect <laughs> visually in that film, and, and makes sense, you know, philosophically as well. Yeah, and that's definitely a plays to Kubrick's strength because uh, he's very big on. Uh, and if you look at the cinematography in any of his other movies, a big thing is is symmetry and sort of fluid uh motion and static shots he, he's he's kind of got that down to a a science and i think it's very um mm-hmm. very uh, what, unique in here that's what impressed me so much as well yes in my in my teenage years exactly i mean my style is like the opposite it's like the opposite but of course i can i can still uh respect that and respect that vision you know of, right of wanting to go to such lengths you know to create like the ultimate piece of art <laughs> i think in some ways you someone could you could almost argue that uh he created too perfect a piece of art because i think that this this spawned the whole uh the, the, this movie spawned the whole idea that uh he that he was that he helped nasa to 
fake the moon landing. His effects were uh, his effects and his 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 filmmaking technique were so good. But uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, game changing. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, say again about the, the the moon landings. Oh, you you you, I you, didn't get it. you haven't have you, it's the the whole conspiracy theory where. Uh, yeah, I know the conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was just saying that uh, it, it it makes sense that his his effects and his. Uh, the the way he executed the movie were so, were so well done you can almost believe why people would think that he had uh, ah, yeah, something yeah, to do exactly. with it <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> exactly 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 yeah 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 but it's ah it, like I, I it's almost even too big to to talk about because I'm I'm trying to think of like one particular element that I that I really enjoy about it or like one scene that I I, I like the most but like it, it it's really the whole movie is just like kind of its own singular experience like like people oftentimes will 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 say that oh yeah the beginning is way too slow and the end is way too slow but like the whole bit where they're in space and hal is going crazy that's that's the best part of the movie but i think that it's kind of narrow-minded to view it like that it it, the, it is very much this like big long experience and yeah the the part with hal 9000 is is definitely the most like linear in terms of of, of story but it, it it all feeds one into the next, into the next, into the next. I I think that it, from start to finish, it, it's it's a very uh, it, a very powerful story told in a very um, compelling and unique way. The most powerful the most powerful moment in the in the film, in my opinion, is it is actually um, that shot when the when the old man you know extends. I can talk about this this movie so much uh, it's so much uh, seen and even if it's a small spoiler i mean it's mm-hmm. old it's a classical film um and it won't take it it won't take from your from people's cuz i think this is such a metaphysical film i i i it won't i mean it won't spoil you know it won't spoil from your right it, it won't take from people's ability to still enjoy this thing. So when the guy, yeah, when the old guy is on the bed you know and extends his hand you know towards the towards that stone, towards that black stone in the mm-hmm. room. And then there is a cut with camera looking directly, you know, at the stone. And we are that guy. Right. And then, then that movement. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Even now, I feel like having, having watery eyes thinking when we, we are going and we are moving. So first, we see this old man, you know, and we empathize with him. You know, it's like it's humankind. It's all of us. Yeah. It's us vulnerable, vulnerable the way the way he is old, he's in bed, you know, we are all vulnerable as creatures in this vast universe, you know? And all of a sudden he sees that thing and he extends his hand. That is us, the human people, constantly searching for our way. Where do we come from? What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of our existence? Constantly searching for an ideal which 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 actually can never be touched in in real life, you know. And that's why he extends mm-hmm. vulnerable to with his hand towards that stone, but he cannot because he's old and he's in bed and he's vulnerable. He cannot move. He cannot reach that ideal, you know. Right. And just like us, the humans, for centuries, all the philosophers, everybody tried to find the meaning of life constantly, constantly trying to reach something which is at an infinite distance from us and we will never be able to reach, you know, constantly finding, uh, searching for the mystery of, of existence. And that's what the old guy, and then all of a sudden there is the cut. We become the old guy and this unthinkable happens. The camera moves towards that black thing. Like, it's like we are actually becoming one with the big mysteries of life. And mm-hmm. some, that's why religious people empathize so much with this movie. Because uh, when I was religious, oh my God, for me, that was God, you know. Right. Now when I'm no longer religious, 
to me that is like oh my god this is the ultimate mystery of life that is the essence of everything you know like mm-hmm. and when the camera goes towards moves towards that thing oh my god you really feel like you become enlightened you become buddha or something you literally <laughs> touch you literally touch god you know you touch the ultimate mysteries of life and it's an unbelievably powerful scene <laughs> And it's in yeah. many ways that's what that whole movie is kind of building up towards. Is the I think the big message is that uh, there's just things out there that whether it be that we'll never understand them or it's just impossible for us to understand them as we are now. It, it is very like it, it, it kind of like you said it's a it's a religious experience, but it kind of tries to address a lot of the religious aspects through the lens of of science and like how how you could rationally explain concepts like God and the meaning of life and uh, the kind of infinite sense of, uh, of time in the universe. And it's, uh, there's, there's so many amazing things to infer in every little like camera movement and every little strange thing that they, they, they show. It's just, uh, there, there's so many layers to that film. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> if we have to go into details, yes, it would. It would like. I, I feel like. Uh, um, yeah, I would be feel. I would feel afraid to go into some of the details. It's like uh, you will never finish. You know, like exactly. be able to talk about everything that there is there to be talked about. <laughs> so I guess then, if if people are interested, if the if our discussion on two thousand one has intrigued you, then. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's a it's a classic movie. You should definitely have seen it by now if you're listening to a movie based podcast. But if you somehow haven't seen 2001: A Space Odyssey, you can rent it on uh, YouTube Movies, Google Play, iTunes, Vudu, and Amazon Prime, all for the low price of four dollars. Uh, again, definitely see it. Uh, try and see it on. I, I, you probably can't see it on on an IMAX screen, but definitely see it on as big a screen as you possibly can it just it, 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 the the bigger the screen the the more scope uh your 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 brain will try and process and it it's definitely a movie that demands to be seen on a uh on a large scale but uh i guess my last question for you uh in the vein of 2001 similar to my last question i had for you in the blair witch discussion was uh have you seen the the 2001 sequel that came out uh, a, a decade later? I believe I've seen uh, I've seen I've seen scenes scenes okay. of it, uh, not not the entire movie. And I've read reviews and stuff. And uh, again, I'm, it's not something I'm even interested in watching because it's exactly. obviously a Hollywood Hollywood production that wanted to cash in cash in the creativity, cash on the creativity and uh, success of the first film. So I'm not interested in something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 same teacher that I mentioned earlier, who who whose favorite movie was two thousand one, uh, we I, I eventually I, I I forget if it was uh, after I had graduated or if it was during that class, but at some point I asked him, I was like, what it will if if you love two thousand one so much, what do you think about the uh, the sequel that came out? And he 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 was he was, we were having a nice conversation. He was laughing and smiling. But as soon as I said, uh, what, "What do you think about that sequel that came out?" His demeanor completely like he went like straight faced, and he said, I, "I don't talk about that movie." And we moved on. <laughs> oh so uh, that should be a good indication oh of uh, of whether or not you should see the uh, the sequel. It's uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey is it's a groundbreaking, amazing film, and uh, 
the one thing that uh, um, I, I think it was Steven Spielberg said because he, he and Kubrick were, were good friends in real life. Uh, the one thing that Spielberg always said was uh, he, he, he uh, uh, that he said that Kubrick uh, at, the, at the very least you could you could say about him was that uh, with 2001: A Space Odyssey he he came very close and in some ways surpassed. Uh, the ability to change the form of uh, movies as we know them. And I, I think that one thing that's definitely true for you is that I think, like we'd said earlier that uh, we, with, with movies that inspire you or filmmakers that inspire you, you, you pick and choose elements that you want to carry with you into your own work. And I think that's, that's one thing at the very least from be my cat and from the way that you talk about your upcoming projects, I think that you, you've definitely adopted that mindset of wanting to, change the form and 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 pursue new ideas and pursue creative thoughts in, in your film so i i definitely commend you uh for that you've definitely succeeded in that area thank you but yeah but uh kubrick i'm not sure to what extent kubrick did that i feel like i feel like uh, what do you think do you think he got inspired from other from other things or he he totally disregarded other things in order to to change everything i mean I don't know. I I, I think, think that well, it's definitely it's hard to say because two thousand one is an adaptation of a book. So, uh, yeah, 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 the book was written after the, from what I know, of, after the film, uh, kind of. Huh. I I no. So 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 the thing is this. From what I know, of, I might be wrong, I'm sure, but from what I know, of, there was that Arthur C. Clarke who had right. uh, who had uh, who had a little. Uh, a little book, you know, a short story, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it and was they, just they focused slightly, on the, the house They action. slightly, he slightly got inspired from that one in order to 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 write 2001 of Odyssey together with Kubrick. Okay. And after that, he also wrote a book. Oh, okay. So practically, his initial the movie is not that much inspired from his initial little story. That was just kind of a spark, from what I understood. Something like that. I think, but, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I think in that same interview where, where Spielberg was talking about Kubrick changing the form, uh, Spielberg even asked Kubrick, he, he said, well, well, because Kubrick was always frustrated. I, I, from what I understand, he was frustrated with wanting to do groundbreaking things and wanting to make unique and uh, uh, movies unlike what was being made at the time. And uh, Spielberg said, "Well, well, you you surely changed the form with 2001. That that's such a unique and out there and amazing experience." And Kubrick said, "Well, I I came close with with changing the form, but I I, I never quite made it with 2001. I, I think 2001 is mm. the closest I've come. So, I, but I think that also comes down to the subjectivity of like we we as filmmakers can never really uh, appreciate truly appreciate our." art as an audience member because we we understand all of the blood and the sweat and the tears that went into the making of it so the the meaning and uh the 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 implications are 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 kind of lost on us to an extent but uh i think that the ultimately what what decides whether or not the form was changed or what kind of significance the film has does fall on the the fact that uh how the audience perceives it. And I think by the simple fact that here we are over 50 years later, still talking about how amazing this film is. I think that's a definite indicator that at the very least he did come close to changing the form. I don't know for sure if he did, but I, I think it's a good indicator that he, like he said, he he came close. Yes. I don't know what to say about this. Yeah. 
hopefully i don't know i don't know if it's actually yeah, i'm not, i'm i'm it's hard for me to understand actually what is if it is if it is valuable at the same time to change the form or um it's actually i think it's important to to create i think yes to create something new something that hasn't been done before yeah and when creation is involved uh probably also creating um you know i have i i have a problem with the word form i think i think that's why i kind of went down right now thinking of the word form you know mm-hmm. because to me form is something static you know it's not something it's not something lively you know it's a it's a, it's a, it's a form it's a, i think i have I, i'm i'm more into the process there than into the final result right <laughs> I'm a person who's so much into the process, you know. I mean, we we see similar problems when you when you look back in history. Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can talk a little bit about religion. You know, maybe there was a guy I don't know uh, called uh, Jesus who had some um, great ideas, you know, that were revolutionary and they were contrary to the. the he was kind of an anti-establishment person, what you would call today, you know and mm-hmm. had some ideas that were against the establishment and all that but once he died people tried to he put, they put that into a form you know they took that 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 lively process that that spirit of being against the establishment you know and mm-hmm. uh, and they they put it into a form you know they put it uh, they put into mathematics into a book and they say oh that that is the solution and that's it but uh, on the contrary the solution was the process you know the the process of constantly 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 fighting the the system and the establishment and what there is you know a constant change you know so practically the actual the 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 actual um, uh, uh, value is not actually reaching to a form that is different from the form before you know not inventing mm-hmm. a new form but the constantly the constant process of constantly uh, uh the the form constantly changing you know practically that's the masterpiece in the end do you understand i am it's like no, 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 yeah. weird like this uh, everything that is flowing for me you know it's like more important than than reaching a certain form no I, yeah i, I, I think I, yeah I, I i think that makes complete sense so then yeah. If I can amend my statement, I think that... Uh... No, no, but this, this is not a criticism. <laughs> sorry, sorry, this is not no, a no, criticism no, 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 no. of your statement or anything. I, 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 was just, I was just trying to... I was just trying because... I was just trying to see, hey, like, uh, sometimes I have this psychological analysis of myself. And I think, I, why did I go down? Like, all of a sudden, I, they would say you were your teacher when you mentioned about the, the sequel, you, he went down, you know? Why, right. What happened with me right now? Why didn't I feel good when I when I was thinking of the word form, you know? And then I realized what, you know? <laughs> it's no, no, yeah. That's it is. It makes That's sense. What it is. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, at, at the very least then, looking at it through that particular lens, I think that one thing that you've definitely adopted through uh, 2001 especially, and to some extent in Blair Witch Project, is that idea of of not necessarily going with the process that's most commonly accepted, but figuring out new processes and figuring out what works in your situation and, and creating some very unique art along the way. So I think that you've definitely succeeded in that, in that regard. Well, the, the, the thing is with, with, with Kubrick, I mean, you said he was, um, uh, like hoping to change the form, you know, but, that's the thing. Like, it's good to want to change, to want to do something that nobody d- did before. But then, 
immediately once you finish that, you still didn't accomplish anything because then in order to still be a creator, you will have to change even your own form that you changed before. <laughs> Do you understand? That? Yeah. So it, I mean, it's a never-ending struggle. <laughs> exactly. It's a never-ending thing. Like, I, I wouldn't feel because you feel creative only when you are in the process of creating something. Mm-hmm. Once that thing is creative, once it's created already, once it's ended, you don't feel, you feel like you are static, you know, you are not advancing anymore. It's boring. It's like it, you, co- you constantly try to remember it, to read, uh, to read, the, to read what the, um, it's, a, it's a type of comfort, you know, that happens into your life. Once you finished making a film, you finish creating your work, you know, you just try to become happy from the, from the reviews that you are getting, you know, you try to become happy from going to festivals, from just getting some little perks, 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 you know, it's like eating sweets, you know. Uh, but actually you are uh, not really happy till you again start challenging yourself and again creating and again doing something new which you didn't haven't even done before you know uh, so so i think that if kubrick actually managed if he was sad because he didn't manage to totally change the form but even if he actually changed totally changed the form i think he would have gotten immediately sad afterwards unless he unless he was on the process of again changing it exactly <laughs> <laughs> right no, i don't think he would ever become happy like oh i changed it now i am beca- i became happy i'm enlightened you know i'm i'm buddha now <laughs> <laughs> well at the very least you could say he made a uh, a very intriguing yeah. and endlessly discussable uh, a movie yeah. that can I, be endlessly of course, discussed of course this is not a criticism of of what kubrick did or of the value of course what i'm saying is a little bit trying to go into the uh, into the uh, trying to understand the psychology of creators or the psychology of all of us when we are creating something you know or the this thing like yeah <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so yeah. on that note i act- actually I, I i promised you beforehand we wouldn't go much longer than an hour and a half but here we are at almost uh 45 minutes past that limit so I, yeah, so... I, I, I need to let you get back to editing, but again, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to do this. This was a, a wonderful discussion. I'd love to have you on again in the future. If, uh, w- w- when your next film comes out and we can discuss all sorts of other different philosophies on filmmaking and the making of your movies. And I, I just can't tell you how much this has meant to me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for this uh, discussion as well. And uh, even I discovered things that I wasn't aware before. For example, the thing that I, my, my analysis of, of that scene for with, the, with, the, with, the, with the stone and the old guy on the bed, uh, I never put it in words this way. And, and while talking to you right now, I, ma- I managed to find an explanation of why the scene is genius. And I, was, and I will actually put this review now on my Facebook and I'm on, on, my, on my website, on IMDb and stuff like that. Because, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, well, sometimes I'm... you discover, you discover things. A lot of the things impress you in life, but you don't, uh, you, you, you don't make the effort or you don't have the time or you don't have the right person to discuss with in order to actually understand why it is valuable, you know. And this discussion actually helped me help me discover why actually to put it in in words and so it's so valuable that's wonderful i'm glad i could get i could offer you that uh that opportunity but again just thank you so much for coming on i'm a huge fan of your work and i'm i'm very very eager to see uh what you what happens with uh any project you have your name attached to thank you so much thank you thank you so much 
Hey guys, sorry to break the immersion again, but another change to the schedule. Next episode, we're going to have on YouTuber The Real Sully G, actually a friend of mine from back when I was in high school. He recommended me Weird Al's comedy movie from the 80s, UHF, and I recommended him the documentary American Movie. So check out both of those if you haven't seen them before. Now back to the end of the show. Adrian, Sofay, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. I can't wait to see We Put the World to Sleep whenever that comes out. And again, any other project you have your name attached to, I'm going to be first in line to check it out. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, again, I want to remind to uh, those listening to us that uh, yeah, if they want to support uh, these projects and also to get uh, all types of exclusive updates, uh, behind the scenes, all types of info, uh, they can support me on, on Patreon. I have a Patreon page uh, exactly with my name, Adrian Tofade, Patreon uh, slash whatever. <laughs> How is it? <laughs> that thing. I'll put a link to <laughs> it in the, uh, the description of the video so they can yeah. click on yeah. it easy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, just uh, if anybody can afford to give like at least uh, $1 a month, that would be like wonderful because... Um, we creators kind of like <laughs> I don't see I don't see any chance of the big power structures in this world uh, supporting uh, creativity and literally we rely on the on the people that really appreciate our work and uh, understand our work. Yeah, exactly. Support artists <laughs> creating art. That's what I always like to say. Yeah. So on that note, again, Adrian Sofei, thank you so much for doing this. And thank you guys for watching the Watchlist podcast. We'll see you next time. Yeah, bye-bye.